Welcome to Humane Voices, the official podcast of the Humane Society of the United States. I'm Kelly, and today we're going to be trying out a new co-host, Chad. Carrie is not with us today. She will be back, um, but I'm excited that Chad's going to come out from the camera, the keyboard, the audio, and join us. Hopefully, he won't alert the FCC to anything, say anything outrageous, but I guess if we trend, that is okay. Chad, thank you for joining me. Absolutely, Kelly. Thank you so much. This will be a good one. This is a great topic today. This is. I'm I'm very excited. Um, we've got uh, quite quite a bit to cover today, and I, I think that our listeners are really going to learn a lot. We're going to be talking about the American Kennel Club, better known as the AKC, and our guest today, he is no stranger to the AKC. It is John Goodwin. He is the Senior Director of Puppy Mills at the Humane Society of the United States. John, thank you for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. And uh, you found a new uh, co-host who's one of the two people at HSUS that have worked here longer than me somehow. (laughs) Well, and he's been in the background, John, maybe for a good reason. I guess we're going to find out today, you know, that we've kept him hidden out there, but we're going to bring him out into the light. So today is certainly to talk about the AKC and hear from you and all of your knowledge, but also let's let Chad out a little bit. I appreciate it. Uh, (laughs) Well, let's get into this, John. So give us a quick explanation of what the AKC does. Who is this organization? Yeah, so the American Kennel Club, despite whatever impression most people have of what they do, is simply a dog registry. Uh, and what that means is, is that people with certain, you know, that breed dogs or uh, are following the bloodlines of their purebred dogs will have paperwork that shows the pedigree, who the parents were, who the grandparents were, who the great-grandparents were. And the AKC's job is simply to maintain that paperwork. Now, they do also set up events like dog shows and agility shows and things like that. Uh, but at it, it, heart, they're just a dog registry. So I think that you mentioned the perception out in the public. I think that's that seems accurate. I, I think people have a misunderstanding of what the AKC does and don't and doesn't do. Now, can you tell us what they don't do? Well, what the AKC doesn't do is they don't live up to the slogan they used in the past the dog's champion. Uh, They're not helping the Humane Society of the United States or any of our partner organizations pass laws, for example, to protect dogs. What they do instead is they bring in lobbyists and they mobilize grassroots support to oppose measures that protect animals because they believe that those measures might, you know, cost a puppy mill a couple bucks or something. So now you're so you're saying you've been involved in this fight. Your team, you and your team have been involved in this fight against puppy mills for years and years. Puppy mills are absolutely atrocious for dogs. It seems like the AKC, with the perception of them out there, they would be a good ally to help you in the fight against puppy mills. So you're saying that's not true. Yeah, that's not true. Now they would be a wonderful ally. No question about it. We'd love if they changed their position and became an ally. But they don't. And why not? Well. Probably the majority of breeders that register dogs with them only have a few litters a year. Small-scale breeders, you know, maybe their dogs live in the home. Probably nothing really objectionable happening there. And then there's a small handful of these real high-volume puppy mills that are registering their dogs with them. Now, here's where the problem arises. Who do you think has more pull? Granny, who has one litter of pugs a year? Or 
the puppy mill that produces a thousand puppies a year and registers a thousand puppies a year with the AKC. Obviously, there's a lot more money coming in from those puppy mills. So they have all the influence in determining what position the AKC will take on a whole host of issues, including the puppy mill issue. But if I bought, so John, let's say I bought a dog from a breeder and it's an AKC registered. So that means it doesn't come from a puppy mill, right? (laughs) Well, unfortunately, all it means is that the dog was registered with the AKC. That's literally all it means. Uh, The dog may have come from a puppy mill. Doesn't mean the dog came from a puppy mill. Uh, AKC registration simply gives you no idea. It'll what it does tell you is who the dog's parents were. It doesn't tell you if the dog's mother is living in a rusting cage in Southwest Missouri, though. So I think we well, and I think when we hear AKC registered, I mean, along with that, people think that that is a stamp of high quality, you know, environment, and everything is on the up and up, and it's it. It's a good thing, but you're saying it's not necessarily true. Right. Again, all it means is that there's a piece of paperwork that confirms who the dog's uh, ancestors were, first, second, third generation, and so on. There have been um, police raids on puppy mills that where the conditions deteriorated so much that cruelty statutes were being violated and sheriff had to go in and make arrests. And these were people who registered all their dogs to the AKC. Uh, in some cases, AKC had even come out to their kennel uh, in in the short time period before a raid happened. I know of a, at least one, maybe a, I think a couple of examples of that. And presumably the AKC inspectors confirmed the paperwork was accurate, but didn't do anything about the conditions the dogs were in. So the AKC had been at a, at a puppy mill, said everything looks good, guys. And then soon after the police come in and find atrocious conditions. Is that right? That has happened. That has absolutely happened. And it gets to the fact that they're not there to uh, ensure that the breeders adhere to some sort of standards of care. There's no written program I'm aware of where they would look and say, okay, does each dog have X amount of space? Does each dog get X amount of exercise every day? What they want to confirm is the integrity of the paperwork because they don't want someone doing what they call hanging papers, which is where you uh, you have a fraudulent paperwork from pedigree, you know, showing maybe the puppy came from a more prominent dog in a bloodline, for example. That's what they're trying to protect against. So do they just opt in the AKC? I mean, is it is it just a rubber stamp process? I mean, it's so they can register a breeder or dogs, but never really see them and just, yep, they're registered. If you're talking about the animal care side, I don't even know if it even gets up to the level of being rubber stamped. Uh, I think that they're probably pretty vigorous about making sure that the paperwork's accurate because that's the that's the bread that's the butter on the bread right there for the AKC. But the animal care side, despite the impression that they actively try to leave with people, that's just woefully lacking uh, to the point that I would describe it as non-existent. So I've got. I mean, I think we all have friends who you know buy a dog, they get a new puppy. And they talk about, oh, my dog has papers and, oh, I, you know, he's he's AKC certified or whatever the terminology is. But that doesn't you're telling me that doesn't mean anything about the dog's health and the conditions that the dog was raised in. It means nothing about either of those things, health or the conditions the dogs are raised in. And I, and I know what you mean. I mean, I remember uh, running into a guy at a dog park. He was very proud of his new dog. I'm talking about AKC. I didn't want to burst his bubble. You know, I, I just bit my tongue, you know, because I just. 
he was so proud. And, and, and I understand those feelings. And But the fact is, it, it just confirms that your dog's parents are who the paperwork says. Now, John, so your team for years has produced uh, the Horrible 100 Report. Annual report, it's a list of 100 breeders, dog breeders across the country that are absolutely terrible. These these are just terrible dog breeders that you say never go to these guys. Are any of those uh, AKC registered dog breeders, uh, if I'm using that terminology correctly? They are. They are. And we know that despite the fact that the AKC doesn't have like some sort of public list of breeders that are registering puppies with them. But through other means, uh, maybe through someone who filed a complaint with us about a particular puppy mill and submitted some paperwork with the dog or whatever. Through those sorts of means, we've linked dozens of horrible hundred puppy mills to AKC registrations. It's probably a lot higher, but so much of this information that we would need to confirm that is privately held by the AKC. But yeah, there, there's a, there's been a good number of entries in the horrible hundred report that registered their puppies to the AKC. You could have a consumer, John, that you know gets a puppy from a breeder and they see that it's AKC registered and think everything is on the up and up when that same breeder, you know, has dogs registered through the AKC, but the same breeder could be listed on the worst list that you all publish. Yeah. So the AKC's Mm -hmm. brand and reputation is often used by some pretty horrific puppy mills to boost their, their own credibility. That absolutely happens. And then you look at that slogan that they've used, a dog's champion. And I respectfully submit the AKC needs to change that. I don't know if it's trademarked, if they have to submit some paperwork. They need to change it from the dog's champion to the puppy mill's champion. Because that's who they're really championing. They're championing these puppy millers. And they don't seem to have any hesitation at all about letting these puppy mills coast on the AKC's brand and reputation, which is a remarkably strong brand. And they do have a remarkably good reputation because most people don't know these things. What, John, so, I mean, it sounds like there's a little bit of the protecting our own, our own being kind of the industry in general. Um, What is the motivation from the AKC for that? I assume there is, as with all motivations for um, less than optimal things or nefarious things, there's financial incentive. I mean, what's, what, what motivates them, I guess, on this? I think you hit the nail on the head there. You know, there was a time about 30 years ago or, boy, maybe even 20, you know, a couple decades ago. I remember this being discussed when I first came to HSUS, where there was some discussion about could we get the AKC to get on board with us on some federal legislation to at least improve the conditions these dogs are living in at at the bare minimum. And the AKC did get some uh, negative pushback from people in the puppy mill world. And in fact... I know of at least one alternative dog registry that's closely linked to puppy mills that was set up to kind of, uh, uh, you know, put the pressure on the AKC to back off from engaging in any sort of work that would stop puppy mill cruelty. So they were afraid not that they would lose a lot of registrations and therefore a good bit of their revenue stream. Now they seem to take this position where they'll say, you know, any protection is going to lead to no one being allowed to own a dog at all. 
oh, abolish pet ownership. And that's just that's just completely silly, completely silly. I, I personally wouldn't want to live in a world like that. Now, you mentioned, Jay, John, you mentioned the uh, the registrations. That's where the funding comes in. Can you talk a little bit about AKC's revenue? Where does that, is that 100% from that uh, registration, individual dog registrations? Well, it's the core of, it's the nucleus of their revenue uh, is the dog registrations. Now that said, they have other revenue streams. The AKC sets up events all over the country every week, dog shows, agility shows, things like that. And they have some little side businesses, uh, you know, microchip services, branded uh, swag, all sorts of other little things to get revenue coming in. And that became necessary for them because they, uh, while we don't have solid data on their registration numbers because it's a private organization, they don't have to release those numbers. For years, we've gotten anecdotal bits and pieces indicating that the registration numbers were trickling down. Now, a lot of that's probably because these so-called designer breed hybrids became very, very popular. You know, the AKC is going to make money off a of Cavalier, King Charles Spaniel, or Poodle, but not Cavapoo necessarily. So, uh, but for whatever reason, their numbers really started to trickle down. At least that was what people believe and understand. And so they come up with all these other ways to get revenue coming in. Now I want to circle back, John, you mentioned uh, kind of initially some years ago, considering AKC possibly joining us in fights. And it sounds yeah. like that we often, uh, you know, we're certainly not partnering with the AKC and they often are pushing back against things that we're trying to do to protect dogs. Can you just talk a little bit about that? There are so many common sense bills that we have backed that the AKC has opposed. There was a bill in New York to ban debarking of dogs, which is a process where they crush the dog's vocal cords so that they don't make loud barking noises that you know maybe offends a neighbor or something like that. And we were saying, no, you shouldn't do that to a dog. They opposed that bill. Uh, wait, they opposed so that wait, the AKC opposed a bill that would have protected dogs from their vocal cords being crushed. That is 100% right. Wow. They also opposed a bill in Georgia and other states too, similar legislation to prohibit the possession of animal fighting paraphernalia. Now, their argument is well, dog fighters run a dog on a treadmill to condition him, but maybe a responsible breeder has a treadmill. Well, you know what? Uh, I have a crowbar you know, because I have to do work around the house. Sometimes crowbars are burglary tools. And in a certain context, someone could be arrested for having a crowbar in the trunk of their car next to, you know, maybe a TV with the serial number scratched out, possession of burglary tools. Law enforcement understands the context of these things. Rather than working with us just to make sure that the language would protect any breeder who used a treadmill for good reasons, they just oppose. They oppose. Same thing. So they had the opportunity to come to the table and say, okay, we're concerned about this slippery slope, but they just opposed the bill outright that would have protected, in this instance, you're talking about dogs uh, who are being used as fighting dogs. I can give you an even more disturbing example. There have been a number of bills that the uh, HSUS has advanced to stop animal sexual abuse, bestiality, and or, or maybe to tighten up those laws so that you can't possess an animal for those purposes or whatever. And the AKC is opposed to those bills because they're concerned that, well, you know, we might have someone who's uh, has to gather, you know, what they need to gather to do artificial insemination. Okay, 
well, don't oppose the bill. Ask for an amendment to make it clear that this doesn't apply to some sort of legitimate artificial insemination. But they don't come to the table and yeah. say, well, and I, I think that's so important, John, because so many people, again, I mean, the, the perception, and I think people think AKC, champion of dogs, right. and that they would actively oppose legislation that would protect animals when we're talking about bestiality laws. Yeah, exactly. And, and everybody's appalled by that, right? I mean, that's a disgusting, right. disgusting thing. And I, I don't understand the ideological grip there. Uh, you know, we see this in a lot of issues where there'll be organizations that'll say, you know, well, we can't give an inch, you know, because they'll take a mile. But I think that that's, that's really intellectually weak. I mean, if we're going to take that slippery slope position and say, well, we're not going to do this one good thing because, you know, someone could take it too far in 100 years, then, oh, OK, well, that goes both ways. Could we legalize dog fighting so that we're further back on that slip? Because, hey, if humane society has to deal with legal dog fighting, then I guess they won't be, uh, you know, doing anything else that uh, someone thinks maybe goes a little bit too far. John, you mentioned earlier uh, some of the dog show things, and I think they're kind of that's where people think they're aligned as well in those dog shows around the country. Um, I wanted so some of the breeding standards that I'm sure AKC supports or has some policy on include things like that I've read like having the dog's ears cropped and the tail cut off is that and the akc is okay with that can you tell us a little bit about that yeah so the akc registers around 200 different breeds right um and there's about maybe 400 globally about 400 dog breeds but you know there are a lot that don't really have any serious population numbers in the united states they register about 200 and uh some of those breed standards and that's that's the breed standard is, uh, you know, what color the dog should be, what size the dog should be, what shape should the dog be, et cetera, et cetera. Some of those dog breeder standards say the dog should have erect ears, no tail. So, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll sit there and cut the ears so that they're erect um, or they'll dock the tails, ear cropping, tail docking, you know, cut the tail off when they're a little baby, a uh, little puppy. And that to me is just a form of mutilation. I mean, if there's like a specific instance, a specific situation where a veterinarian determines that a tail needs to be removed, then fine. That's fine. You know, if it's for the animal's benefit, but these particular standards are not about the animal's benefit. They're just some arbitrary cosmetic standard. And some countries have banned ear cropping and tail docking. I, I really would like to see us get there in the United States because look at dog keeps tail. I mean, it's just a silly thing. Well, and we're, you know, the the title of the episode is Can We Trust the AKC? And so I want to get your, I may have an idea of your thoughts on this, but I want to hear your thoughts on this, John, because I think listeners, again, are going to, I think, be maybe shocked, a little surprised by, you know, this organization we think we're supposed to trust and they're, you know, not... uh, they don't support some of the bestiality laws we want to pass or some of the laws to protect animals or to make sure they're not mutilated, basically. Um, So I guess, John, the the question is, you know, can we trust the AKC? Your thoughts? Well, it depends on what we're trusting them to do. If we're trusting them to defend puppy mills and oppose good common sense animal protection legislation, then yeah, we can trust them to do that. But can we trust them to be the dog's champion? I would say hard no, hard no. Uh, And, you know, it doesn't have to be this way, though. Yeah. Look at look at some other issue like uh, fur industry, the National Trappers Association. Well, we just want the fur trappers out of business, right? There's no role 
for a group like the National Trappers Association, in my view, in a civilized society. AKC, they're not in that same bucket. We're not opposed to dog breeding. We're not opposed to registering purebred dogs. They could be an ally. They don't have to be uh, hostile and taking the most reactionary yeah. position on these issues. I don't see it changing anytime soon, though. Yeah, it's tough when an organization kind of takes a, we'll wait and see on the whole bestiality issue thing. Like that's, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right, right. that's there's no hard. gray area real there. Uh, right. Yeah. It, yeah, it's a, it's a little, it's a little extreme. And, and I think that's a perfect example of the fact that there's ideology at play here rather than common sense or political tactics. Keep them busy with uh, trying to ban bestiality and then they won't have time do something that shuts down a puppy mill and costs us 1,000 registrations at, you know, 20 bucks a pop. Um, and that's, I, I think that's really unfortunate. And I think that they're also missing the mark where the American people are at on this stuff, too. I think they're really out of sync. Now, we haven't made any, you know, real strong push to educate people about the AKC. We've, we've put out some blogs and some content before. But we've been more focused on trying to stop the sale of puppy little puppies and pet stores, that kind of thing. But I, I don't know if the AKC is considered brand risk. There really is a brand risk there. And I, I well, for them. Do they, John, have a relate? Uh, does the AKC have a relationship with uh, commercial pet stores? They do. Uh, in fact, I've gone into a number of Petland stores, which uh, for any listeners that don't follow the puppy mill issue, that's the major national chain that still sells puppies linked puppy mills and there's akc signage up part of it is for the sales pitch our puppy who's very very expensive at petland uh you can register at the akc but they've also claimed that the akc comes in and does inspections in their store now when you hear that you think oh okay so the akc is going to go in there and make sure the puppies are in like clean enclosures and all that mm, no we had an undercover investigator at a petland store when an akc person came in and they didn't go through the puppy kennel and, you know, look at the puppies in the quarantine room who were sick or anything like that. Just like with the breeders, they were just confirming that the paperwork is accurate because they want to make sure that they can sign all these people up for the registrations. It's not so the AKC person went in to the Petland store to check the paperwork, yeah. not the dogs in said Petland store. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. Nailed it. So, John, so, you know, I, I think our listeners and probably many of them are thinking about getting a dog. And, um, you know, what are some things that for folks that do want to get a dog? I mean, what are some things they should look for? Because the, you know, AKC, the registered, uh, we're we're learning from you is is not what we maybe thought it was or what we've been told it was. So what should a family looking to get a dog? What should they do? Well, so there's three good places in our view to go get a puppy from or a dog, a dog from animal shelters, rescues, yeah. responsible breeders. Now that question kind of tends towards the responsible breeder side. So I don't think that the, the breeder registering with the AKC is a red flag. It's not, a, it's definitely not a sign of quality. There's no, there's no quality assurance there, but it's not a red flag either. Um, so don't worry about that. We do have, a checklist on our website at humanesociety.org slash breeders uh, for what to look for if you're 
seeking out a responsible breeder because there are people out there who who really want to get an eight week old puppy of a specific breed, and that's that's reality. So we need to help them find people who are not puppy mills. And it's a long checklist, but I'm going to summarize it in three points. Meet the breeder. You know, don't just order the puppy over the internet through a website. Meet the breeder. Meet the mother dog. So that way you can see what's her behavior like. Does she seem like she's kind of, you know, traumatized, scared to be out there meeting with people? Maybe she's been in a cage. Or is she like a real friendly, uh, outgoing dog and uh, well cared for? And then third, see where the dogs live. That sort of transparency is going to help you know if you're dealing with someone who's on the up and up. So meet the breeder, meet the mother dog, see where the dog lives. Great. That's easy enough. John, thank you so much. Keep keep going with the fight against puppy mills. This is you're doing great work and you've done it for years and years. So thank you so much. Thank you. Listeners, thank you so much for joining us on Humane Voices and Chad. It was great to co-host with you. Sorry, Carrie, you may be out of a job. And of course, John Goodwin, thank you for joining us and sharing so much great knowledge about the AKC, what it is and what it isn't. Uh, Humane Voices Podcast, we will see you next time.